Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel. The book of 2 Samuel in chapter number 16. The book of 2 Samuel in chapter number 16. We're still in the series of the life and ministry of Solomon. And as we have left up Solomon, he has just recently taken the throne. And as he has taken out the throne, he is cleaning house, taking care of some of these people, some of these conspirators, some of these people that needed to be dealt with for him to start his reign. He has already dealt with his brother, Adonijah, who attempted to not only take the kingdom, but also lay some seeds to try to take over the kingdom in the future. He's already taken care of the high priest at that time who out of bitterness and jealousy had tried to overthrow Solomon and he had been dealt with and removed from the priesthood. You had dealt with Joab who was a faithful man of David but was a murderer several times over and Solomon had gotten rid of him and taken care of him as was deserved. But now we come to another person that has to be purged, has to be worn, has to be taken care of during the life of Solomon. And this is a man by the name of Shimei. Now, before we find out what happens to him at the end, we have to discover why is it that this man has to be dealt with. And so if you don't mind, we find this context in the book of 2 Samuel in chapter number 16. 2 Samuel in chapter number 16. Now, the context of this is that David is currently in fleeing. (laughs) He's running for his life because of his son, Absalom. Absalom has took in a rebellion, cast out David, and David is on the run. Now, because David is on the run, there happens to be a man by the name of Shimei who decides to take advantage of David's weakness. And by the way, there's always going to be people that try to take advantage of the weakness, that try to press the advantage. And yet we find a person here who is lacking discernment. Let's look and see this account as David is now fleeing. He's now at a low part of his life and it doesn't take long for someone to join in to kind of get on the pile, to add an extra kick, to do an extra elbow drop, to do something just to make David even more miserable at this low point. Second Samuel chapter number 16 and let's pick it up in verse number five. Second Samuel chapter 16 and in verse number five. And when King David came to Baruam, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. He came forth and cursed still as he came. And he cast stones at David and at the servants of the King David and all the people and the mighty men were on his right hand and his left. And thus said Shimei when he cursed, come out, come out, thou bloody man and thou man of Belial. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned. The Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. Then Abishai the son of Zerah unto the king, 
Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. And the king said, What have I to do with you, ye sons of Zerah? So let him curse, because the Lord had said unto him, Curse David, who shall then say, Therefore thou hast done so. And David said to Abishai and to the men, to all of his servants, behold, my son, which come forth out of my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do to it? Let him alone and let him curse for the Lord hath bidden him. It may be that the Lord will look upon my affliction and that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went by the way, Shimei went along the hillside over against him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and cast dust. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, we would notice in verse number uh, all throughout here, but let's just start verse 5, where you see Shimei, and then notice, if you don't mind, the thing that's right next to him, cursed. And that all throughout here, when you see Shimei, you're also going to see seven times this word curse or cursing going towards David. So with this, let's just examine this passage in Shimei. Shimei cursing the king. Shimei cursing the the King. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And Lord, as we examine this historical passage and we study this historical incident, that we would learn something from Shimei's life, that we would have discernment for ourselves and understand a principle, kind of see what's going on, that we could apply it to our own lives. Lord, I'm thankful that you give so much grace. And Lord, there are again so many principles we could pull from this account. And I'm asking that you would open up our eyes, that we may behold wondrous things from thy law even tonight. Fill me with your spirit and you guide and direct and you just get accomplished what you want done. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we study the life of Shimei, the first thing I want to show you is Shimei's day of grace. Shimei's day of grace. Now, of course, David is fleeing from Absalom, his son, and David is at his low point. And once again, as David is fleeing, they happen to go into a little town of Barurim. In this little town, there just happened to be a relative of Saul. Now, remember, Saul used to be the king, and David's the one who replaced him. So you can imagine that a family member who's not right with the Lord who happens to have a little bit of bitterness, would be very much against David. So notice, if you don't mind, let's pick it up, verse 5. And when King David came to Baruam, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera, and he came forth and cursed still as he came. Now, we learn something about here. This idea that he cursed still carries the idea that he had already been continually cursing David. This was not the first time he cursed David. But now he has a time to do it openly. You see, somewhere along his line, and we're going to see this in this passage, he developed some bitterness. What is bitterness? Bitterness is unforgiveness. 
Now we're going to see here that he has a misunderstanding of what happened. In his mind, real or imagine whatever in his mind, he saw that David had overthrown Saul. And that David forcibly took the throne and that David is the reason why Saul was dead. Now we know that according to the Bible and history and what God said, that is not true. David didn't lift a single finger to become king. God is the one who did it. Saul's problems were with God and God dealt with Saul. But here's a man who doesn't have all the information or has something that he's imagined as information. Maybe someone's tried to correct him before. Maybe someone's tried to say, listen, David didn't do all of that stuff, but Shimei's cursed him. Every chance he's gotten over these last couple of years, I can't believe David. You know what our beloved king did today? And just no matter what David would do, he would definitely just have some bitterness. Imagine this guy, how the great celebration in Shimei's house when he heard about David's sin with Bathsheba. You could just imagine it talked about that it had given God's enemies occasion to blaspheme and to accuse. Well, definitely he was looking, <laughs> that beloved king, I told you it was up to no good. Yes, see, it found him out. He found every excuse he could. He was probably a very fun person to be with, that's sarcasm. That whenever people would be around him, that's all he wanted to do was talk about how bad David was. How bad David was. How bad David was. This idea that he could t- cursed still is a phrase that he had already been in the habit of cursing David. Now he's got David right there. And so he's going to lay it on. Seven times in this passage, this phrase, this idea of cursing is referred to dealing with Shimei. That Shimei had cursed David seven times in this passage and a whole lot more leading into this passage and probably a lot more after this passage. Not a very good place to be. He had hated David for such a long time. And Shimei just could not wait. Now as Absalom's rebellion's going on, notice what he does. Verse 6, and he cast stones at David and all the servants of the King David and all the people that were the mighty men in his right hand and his left. Now let's pause. Now when David is traveling, we know that David is a mighty man in himself. He's been to war. He's won battles. He's fought Goliath. He's fought Goliath's brothers. He's been in wars. He went killed 200 Philistines for a dowry for his father-in-law Saul. So this is not someone who's just a pushover and a wimp. We understand that. I mean, when he's throwing things at David, he doesn't realize how much trouble he really is in if David chose to do something. Not only that, you have David's mighty men. These are have their own stories in the Bible. Like you have Adino the Tacnite, who decided that he was just going to go tackle everyone. You, you, uh, they, these are people that are listed that by themselves they killed hundreds of Philistines. You have a list of these mighty men. So as they're going through here, not only that, you have someone that's mentioned here, Abishai, but someone who's not mentioned who is Abishai's brother, Joab. You have a murderer here. You understand that David just had a look and Joab would go slit uh, Shimei's throat. No one would bat an eye about it. You understand Shimei does not realize how much trouble he really is in if David decided to do something about it. This is a guy who's taken his own life in his hands and he has no clue. 
You see, he hates David so much he doesn't care. He just sees an opportunity to curse David and to curse David publicly. And he, and one thing to use your words, we know words hurt and words bruise and words wound. He throws rocks. He starts taking physical objects and tossing at David. Now again, I understand David's not the tallest guy around, but he is valiant. He's killed people. I can imagine a rock swinging by and hitting Joab and they're holding Joab back. I mean, Abishai at least had enough discernment to say, hey, you know what, David, can I go kill him? <laughs> Joab, I can just imagine them holding Joab back. I get That's why we did Joab first. This, this is a big deal. I mean, Shimei is in trouble. All David had to do was say something. Shimei adds it on. Verse 7, and thus said Shimei when he cursed. Come out, come out, thou bloody man, and thou man of Belial. Remember this idea of Belial. This is his way of Satan saying that David's a man of Satan. You're not a follower of God. You're a man of Satan, and this proves it. He says, the Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul. You know what, David? You deserve this. If you didn't mess Saul up so bad, if you didn't rebel against Saul, if you didn't raise up your little rebellion against Saul, this wouldn't have happened. It's your fault. Now, David didn't read a rebellion against Saul. He was running for his life. But Shimei is adding it on. He said, whose stead thou hast reigned, the Lord had delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief because thou art a bloody man. He's saying, David, this is all your fault. Now, whereas that's true, it's not for the reasons Shimei is saying. Shimei is saying, it's all because you were mean to Saul. Saul was a good man. Saul was a righteous man. Saul was the best king there. Well, in Shimei's eyes, he was wasn't true, but in Shimei's eyes, he was. And David's this no good rebel scumbag. Hey, I mean, Saul is head and shoulders. He was a man's man. Here's this little ruddy guy. I don't care if you fought a Goliath. You're just nothing. Nothing good to say whatsoever to David. And he's putting it on. He's tossing off rocks. I mean, David's got his mighty men who could just go take out everybody right now. And Shimei doesn't care. Shimei does not realize how close to death he is. How close to death is he? Verse number nine. Then said Abishai, the son of Zeruah, by the way, Joab is there, his brother, unto the king. Why should this dead dog curse the Lord, the king? Now notice this. Abishai's mind, he's already dead. Just let me go finish it off. He's, he's gone already. Let me just, you know, put him out of his misery. Let's stop his yelping. Let's go. He says, let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. I mean, that's not a resting. That's not saying I'm going to go put him on trial. Let me just go kill him. Shimei does not know this conversation is going on. He doesn't know that right now his fate is being discussed. He probably would not have thrown the rocks if he realized how much of a murderer Joab was. If he didn't realize that Abishai was just like asking permission, let me go take care of him. Do you know the only reason why Shimei didn't die? Verse number 10. And the king said, what have I to do with you? Ye sons, 
Notice this. Whenever you see in the authorized version, the Bible, you see this ye there. Remember, ye is plural. These and thou's is singular. So if it's a T, it's singular. If it's ye, it is plural. When he's talking about ye sons of Zeruah, let me remind you that this ye is included Joab. Okay, again, Joab's a big guy. We've covered him. This is a big deal. So he's looking at Joab. He's looking at Abishai. What am I going to do with you guys? You guys just want to go kill everybody. Killing is not going to solve all of our problems. Notice what David says. So let him curse. Notice this. Because the Lord had said to him, curse David, who then say, wherefore thou hast done. You know, this is a big deal. This shows the faith of David. I can trust God to do his own work. If God sent him to curse me, I'm going to let God do his work. I'm going to let God fight my battles for me. I don't need you, Joab, and I don't need you, Abishai, to fight my battles for me. We're going to let God take care of this one. If God sent him to curse me, then let him do it. That's a lot of faith. A lot of times when... Now, remember, David's already at a low point. His son is rebelling against him. He's been kicked off the throne. He's running for his life. And now this little punk guy, all by himself, is running in the field, throwing rocks at them. You know how easy it would be for David just to take him out? Nobody would have batted an eye. Wouldn't even made it in the scriptures. Just, you know. This is a big deal. That (laughs) David says... I can trust God. I can trust God. He's responding by faith. Remember, hurting people hurt people. None of us would (laughs) shrug our shoulders if we read over here, "Uh, go ahead, Abishai, Joab, go ahead. And Joab took care of him. We're like, well, you shouldn't mess with David. But David was able to still look at God, even of his lowest points, and say, you know what? I can trust God in these circumstances. He didn't say he trusted Shimei. He trusted God. I could trust God to get something accomplished. I could trust God to use this awful circumstance to still do something. David said, you know, God's working in my life right now. And if God sends this guy to challenge me, so I have to trust God more, depend upon God more for God to fix something in my life. Praise the Lord. I'm glad that God's doing it. That's a lot of faith. That's a big thing here. David was able to trust God. When a guy's throwing rocks at you and saying, you know what, I'm still trusting God. That's a big deal. And David said to Abishai and to all of his servants, Behold my son, which come forth of my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do? Let him alone and let him curse. For the Lord has bidden him. He says, listen, I'm already at my lowest point. What's this guy going to do? Absalom's stuck in my throne. He's making me flee. What's this guy going to do? He has his talk, 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 talk. Let him talk. Whatever. This is a big deal. And just because Shimei didn't get the point, notice what happens. Verse number 12, David is still talking, and it may be that the Lord will look upon my affliction and that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you know what? Maybe God's put me to a test to see if I'm going to respond well. And if I respond well, he's going to take care of my Absalom problem. 
You never know. This may be a test to see if you're going to respond by faith or if you're going to respond by forth. Now here's Shimei. Verse 13, and as David and his men went along the way, Shimei went along the hill's edge over against him and cursed him as he went through stones at him and cast dust. So Shimei decides he's going to follow him for a while. And as he followed him, he's taking the hilltop, tossing stones, picking up sore stones, yelling at him, stupid David, what are you going to do, punk? You better run. <laughs> he doesn't realize how close to death he really is. And the only reason why he didn't die because of the grace and mercy of David. Here was a man who was worthy of death. He deserved to die. And the only reason why he didn't is because the king showed him grace and because he showed him mercy. Well, what happens? We notice that it goes on. Turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 19. Absalom's rebellion is over. Absalom's defeated. By the way, uh, he was killed by Joab, one of those guys who was getting rocks thrown at him. Joab had no problems killing people. If he killed Absalom, he had no problems killing Shimei. Shimei was that close to death and not even realizing how close it was. Absalom's defeated. David's now returning back to Jerusalem. And as he's crossing the Jordan River... Shimei realizes, oops, guess who's now king again? <laughs> maybe I should try to get some things fixed. You think? You think maybe that uh, David might remember I was cursing at him and throwing rocks at him? Um, maybe I should try to uh, fix this. Now, is he sorry that he threw rocks at David? He just doesn't want to die. So what we're going to see is Shimei's false profession. Shimei's false profession. We can see that here is someone who is worthy of death. And it was only because of the king's mercy that he didn't die. So Shimei realizes he's in trouble. He's not repentive, but he makes a false profession. Notice this false profession, if you don't mind. Let's pick the story up in verse 15. 2 Samuel 19 and verse number 15. So the king returned and came to Jordan, and Judah came to Gilgal to go to meet the king and to conduct the king over Jordan. So not only that, all of the kingdom came out to go say hello to David. And Shimei, the son of Gera, a Benjamite who was of Beruam, hasted, means he went quickly, and came down with the men of Judah to meet King David. And there were a thousand men of Benjamin with him, and Zibiah, the uh, servant of the house of Saul, and his 15 sons and his 20 servants with him. And they went over Jordan before the king. And they went over a ferry boat to carry over the king's household and to do what he thought good. And Shimei, the son of Gera, fell down before the king as he came down before the Jordan. So here's the king. He's coming back, comes over to Jordan. And Shimei pushes himself to the crowd, falls down before David's face, and starts begging. Notice in verse 19. <clears throat> in fact, uh, verse 18, we see that he bows down before the king. Let me jump a little bit to verse number 20. He says, For thy servant doth know that I have sinned. Therefore, behold, I've come to the first of this day of the house of Joseph the king to go meet my lord the king. So he comes, bows down before the king. Well, that looks good. Then he admits that he's a sinner before the king. That looks good. 
I'm a sinner. I'm deserving of punishment. I deserve to die. But then notice in verse 19. And he said to the king, let not my Lord impute iniquity to me. Neither do thy remember that which thy servant did perversely the day that the Lord, the king went out of Jerusalem, that the king shall take it to his heart. You know what he asked the king? He desired the king to forgive him and to forget what happened. You know what he's doing? He's making a profession of faith. I'm recognizing your king. I'm a sinner and I deserve to die. I'm asking you to forgive me and to forgive me of my sins and to forget that this happened. Let's just, can you do that? Can you ask for your mercy? It sounds good, doesn't it? It sounds like exactly what you're supposed to say. The problem was is that he was doing it not because he was truly repentive. It was because he was trying to get out of trouble. So what does David do? Well, again, we as humans, we don't know the heart of people. David offered him forgiveness. Notice in verse 21. But Abishai, the son, we remember him. He was the one who said, let me go kill him. Abishai, the son of Zeruah, answered and said, Shall not Shimei be put to death because of this? For he cursed the Lord's anointed. Now, just to remind everyone, he was worthy of death. Here's Abishai. What are you doing? Let's kill him. He was a punk. We remember what he did. I have a scar from that stupid rock that he threw. Verse 22. And David said, what do I have to do with you? Ye sons. There's the plural again. Ye sons of Zeruah. You could see uh, there's Joab there waiting. You could probably see him already sheathing his sword. He's not asking permission. Abishai is. But he's like, let's take care of this now. Notice if you don't mind. He says, ye sons of Zerudah, that ye shall this day be adversaries unto me. Shall there be any man put to death this day in Israel? For do not I know that I am this day king over Israel? David says, I know I'm king. This punk doesn't determine whether I'm king or not. I'm king whether he acknowledges me king or not. By the way, God's king whether people think he's king or not. God's still God whether people think so or not. And God has every right to kill us or show us mercy. Verse 23, therefore, the king said to Shimei, thou shall not die. And the king swore unto him. You know what David did? He forgave him. This is a big deal. Shimei is worthy of death. Shimei came up and said the words right. And David was willing to offer forgiveness. The problem was Shimei was not repentive. He said the words, but he was not changed. So instead of receiving forgiveness, what's going to happen is he's going to receive a stay of execution. We understand that a profession without a new birth is useless. Someone can come to the Lord and say the right words. I'm a sinner. They could say, I recognize that I deserve death. I deserve hell. Hey, I recognize that Jesus died for me. And, you know, I'll also go ahead and say a prayer. Let me tell you, a prayer doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. Jesus is what you need. Just because people say words, because they say a prayer, because they acknowledge facts, doesn't mean they're born again. Jesus said, verily, verily, ye must be born again. <coughs> you know, they say that... <coughs> 
a lot, most people miss heaven by 18 inches. 18 inches? That's the difference between your head to your heart. There are a lot of people who understand facts, but they've never personally accepted Christ as their Savior. They've never personally been born again. Remember, being born again is a real event. For example, if one of my kids came up to me and said, Dad, was I born? I would laugh at him. And say, of course you were. But Dad, how do you know I was born? I was there, and I was there for all three of them. I could give them a time and a place. I can explain the events that happened surrounding their birth. It was a real event. There was something to it. You see, you don't have to be born again over and over. Just like you weren't born the first time over and over. There may be an event, there may be a process, but there was one time they were not there, and then they were born. There was an event, something that happened. That's why you have times. This is what time you were born. Being born again is just as real. And may I say just as permanent? That once my kid is born, we don't go and say they're half-baked. Let's put them back in. They're born, they're born. We just got to deal with them as they lie now. When someone is born again, there is a spiritual birth that happens. The Holy Spirit, who is God, comes to live inside of them and makes them a new creature. That doesn't come because someone said a prayer or because someone said words. It's because they had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ that changed them forever. Does that make sense? Now we say that because there's a lot of religion out there. A lot of people. I talked to someone the other day. I asked him, have you ever been born again? Oh yes, I'm born again all the time. Then I don't think you quite understand what we're talking about. Has there ever been a time where you admitted that you're a sinner and because of your sins you would... um, (coughs) You would owe to God hell. But Jesus died for you and you personally accept him as my savior. Oh, I ask Jesus to save me every night. That I don't think you quite grasp it. Because religion, they're confused. There's a lot of religious people who are going to go to hell. Now, I'm not trying to be mean. And I'm not trying to get people to doubt their faith. I'm trying to shake it so it sticks. I want to make it unshakable. Because people need to know the most horrible thing that can happen is for someone to be faithful to this church and die and go to hell. Just because they thought they were going to heaven. The Bible says in 1 John 5.13, These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. How do I know? These things are written unto me. Not because the preacher said so. Not because the Pope said so. Because the Bible said so. What does the Bible have to say? What do I mean by this? Meaning, can you take the Bible and show me from the Bible why you're going to heaven? You should. I meant something like John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, that's me, believeth in him, I did that, should not perish but have everlasting life. Because I believed in him, because I trusted what God said, God promised me and he can't lie, that I'm going to heaven. That's a blessing. I'm going to heaven not because I'm a good person or because I tried hard or because I said a prayer. I'm going to heaven because I trusted God's promise and God can't lie. Does that make sense? (laughs) 
Shimei made a profession of faith, but it was not enough to change him. There has to be a repentance. What is repentance, by the way? It is a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. It's going to be evidenced. Let's go back to my kids. My kids come up and say, Dad, <laughs> was I born? Of course you were. And I could tell them time and event. They go, but Dad, how do you know that I'm alive right now? I could pinch them. Ow! What'd you do that for? Well, there's evidence, right? You felt that. Can you fog a mirror? I mean, there's evidence that you're alive right now. Well, if you're born again, there's going to be evidence. There will be evidence. Now, we understand how close we are to the Lord. The evidence is going to be more apparent in the book of 1 John. There are five birthmarks of the believer, spiritual birthmarks. And I understand those are internal birthmarks that I know that I'm saved because these things are in here. I'm not a fruit inspector where I'm checking everybody else. Save, save, not save, not save, you know. <laughs> We're trying to check within ourselves, but I can know for sure. And there should be evidence that I'm born again. Not because I said a prayer, but there should be other evidence. That's part of that repentance, a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. Because I'm born again and I'm a new creature, you can't put something as big as God and move it into something as small as my heart and something not change. There's going to be a change Having a profession without a possession is a big deal. Verily, verily, you must be born again. Just because someone acknowledged facts, just because someone said a prayer doesn't make them saved. They have to trust Christ and Christ alone and what Christ did. They have to be born again. That's a spiritual work, not something we do ourselves. But when you become saved, it will be evidenced evidenced it may be small evidences it's not saying that once you get saved that you become a super Christian that's not what it says but we understand there are certain things like I love the Bible every person who is saved has a natural love for God's word someone who says I'm a Christian but I hate God's word it doesn't match up the Bible says that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. The first job of the Holy Spirit, according to the gospel record of John, is conviction of sins. One of the greatest evidences that I'm saved is when I'm getting convicted of sins. It's not fun to be convicted, but it's proof. You understand the book of Hebrews says that if I'm born again, I'm born into his family. I got a brand new father. Let me pause really quick. There are some people who say that we believe in a doctrine called once saved, always saved. That's a poor way of stating Bible doctrine. And the way that they mean that is that they say we teach that once you say a prayer, you could go rob a bank and you're still going to heaven. That's not what we teach at all. We teach that once you become saved, you get a brand new father. And because he's a good father, he will not allow his children to continue in sin. In the South, we say he takes you outside the woodshed, uh, out in back of the woodshed. He will not allow you to continue in sin. That first step of not allowing you to continue in sin is conviction. He will let you know that is not correct. If I tell a lie, God should say, you know what, you should have done that. You know what, you're right. And he does it for the purpose of me getting my behavior right. You understand? So we don't believe in once saved, always saved. We do believe in eternal life and everlasting life. And with that everlasting life, I get an everlasting father. A loving parent who will correct my behavior when I mess up. 
Now that's a blessing. Every time he spanks me, that reminds me I'm one of his kids. Why does that do that? Because you don't spank the neighbor's kids. You spank your own kids. You understand that? If he takes me and disciplines me, that's because he's my father. That's an encouraging thing. I'm sorry that I got convicted, but I'm so thankful I have a heavenly father who loves me enough to correct my behavior. There's a difference between having a possession and having just simply a profession. Have you been born again? Here is Shimei who said the right things, said the right words, asked for forgiveness out loud, but there was no change in his heart. It does not say in the Bible, but my personal belief is that he continued to curse David in private every time she got. There was no change of behavior. So what we find now in Solomon's day is Shimei's faith proven. It's going to be put to the test. Let's see if he truly meant his profession. Turn with me now to the book of 1 Kings in chapter number 2. The book of 1 Kings in chapter number 2. 1 Kings in chapter number 2. We now come where Solomon is now uh, fixing things in his kingdom. And so David had already told him, hey, listen, don't let Joab die peaceably. And you go take care of the Shimei guy. He, he, he didn't really mean it. You go take care of him. So Solomon obeys his father and takes care of things. 1 Kings chapter number 2. 1 Kings in chapter number 2. Notice with me, if you don't mind, let's look in starting at verse 8. 1 Kings chapter 2 and verse number 8. And behold, thou hast with thee Shimei, the son of Gera, a Benjamin of Baruam, which cursed me with a grievous curse in the day that I went to Mananim. But he came down to meet me at Jordan, and I swear to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put thee to death with the sword. Now therefore hold him not guiltless, for thou art art a wise man, knowest what thou oughtest to do to him, but his whore head bring down to the grave with blood. Why is David saying this? Because Shimei has already proven that he is not saved. But let's put him to the test. All right? So David told him, you go take care of this business. So let's see what happens. Notice with me verse 36. Uh, 1 Kings 2, 36. And the king sent and called for Shimei and said unto him, Build thee a house in Jerusalem and dwell there, and go not forth thence for any whither. Basically for any reason. So Shimei, I'm your king, right? Yes, sir. And you're supposed to do what I tell you to. Yes, sir. Good. I want you to build a house inside of Jerusalem. Okay? And you're not allowed to leave Jerusalem ever again for any reason. I'm your king, right? Yes. You said that you repented and that you were going to serve your king. Let's put it to the test. You can't leave Jerusalem any reason. For it shall be that on that day that thou goest out, thou passeth over the brook Kidron. Remember the brook Kidron is the southern valley of Jerusalem. Jerusalem's built on hills. You have um, uh, the Kidron Valley. You have the Valley of Gehenna. So <laughs> here's one of the valleys. If you cross this to go across you cross this border thou shall know for certain that thou shall die thy blood shall be upon thy head he says all right listen am i your king yes sir are you supposed to do what i tell you yes sir build a house in jerusalem yes sir and 
if you cross the Kidron Valley, if you get out of Jerusalem, you will die. Let's use plain language. You will die. Do you understand me? I understand. Okay, cool, cool, cool. We're going to put it to the test. And he said, thy blood shall be upon thy head. Meaning, it's now up to you. We're put it to the test. It's based off of will you obey or not. Do you understand my rules? Yep, okay. You understand that was clear. It's now not in Solomon's court. It's in Shimei's. Now, wasn't Solomon fair? He didn't kill him right off. He said, listen, I'm going to give you every opportunity to prove that you're good to your word. So what happens? Shimei dies an old, ripe age in Jerusalem, happy. Well, let's see, verse 38. And Shimei said unto the king, the saying is good. You know what he did? He agreed to the terms. Yes, sir, you're the boss. I agree to those terms. As the Lord, the king hath said, so will thy servant do. And Shimei dwelt in Jerusalem many days. Now, again, he understood clearly what was asked of him. He didn't say, I didn't, that didn't make sense. Can you clarify? No, I understand. I'll agree to those terms. No problem. I meant he just has to stay within the borders. That's all he has to do. Stay within the confines that he was told to do. Verse 39. And it came to pass at the end of three years, that two of the servants of Shimei ran away to Achish, the son of Becca, the king of Gath. And they told Shimei, saying, Behold, thy servants be in Gath. And Shimei arose and saddled his ass and went to Gath to Achish to seek his servants. And Shimei went and brought his servants back to Gath. And it was told Solomon that Shimei had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and was come again. And the king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, Did I not make thee swear to by the Lord and protest unto, or unto thee, saying, No, for a certain on the day that thou goest out and walkest abroad any whither, that thou should surely die? And thou saidst unto me, The word that I have heard is good. Why then hast thou not kept the oath of the Lord and the commandment that I charge thee with? And the king said moreover to Shimei, Thou knowest all the wickedness which thine heart is privy to, that thou didst to David my father, therefore the Lord shall return thy wickedness upon thine own head. And the king Solomon shall be blessed, and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. So the king commanded Benaniah, the son of Jehodiah, which came out, went out and fell upon him, and he died. And the kingdom was established in the can of Solomon. Now, all of this was to prove what was in Shimei's heart. Now, why is this so important? Why are we making a big deal out of this? Because we understand there are times that people can say the right things and they can make a profession of faith. But we don't know what's in their heart. You know what's going to eventually expose what's in their heart? Time. May I show you the New Testament principle of this? Turn with me if you don't mind. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Now remember the book of 1 John is written for new believers to let them know about this eternal life that they have and the fellowship they could have with Christ. In 1 John chapter number 2... Notice with me, if you don't mind, 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 19. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 19. They went out from us. Meaning, there was a group of people that used to be with us, but guess what? They're not with us anymore. They went out from us, 
but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have no doubt continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest or to prove that they were not all, <laughs> not all of us. Now, what is this talking about? That what's going to happen is that time is going to eventually expose who people are. Remember, we were speaking about discernment this morning. Discernment is not seeing where people are at. It is seeing where people are going. That right at the beginning, they look like they're in agreement and they're traveled together. But what happens is if one person's going straight and one person's going at an angle, every step they take brings them further and further apart. The Bible says in Amos, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? Does that make sense? And so if you have a church that has their eyes on Jesus, by the way, the book of Hebrew, uh, Ephesians speaks about this. How do you have unity in the church when everyone's looking at Christ and we're moving forward together? We have the same goal. We're going to the same thing. That brings unity because our goal is God. Does it make sense? But if our goal is not God, our goal is something else, after a while, we're going to be walking further and further apart. Does that make sense? That's what this is speaking about from us. If their goal was God, their heart was on the God, if they wanted to follow God, we would be traveling together. But given enough time, it will be exposed. That's what happens to people after time. Now, I'm not being mean. We're just having discernment. We make a big deal here about reading your Bible, correct? I mean, how many have never heard me say, read your Bible? I mean, everyone's heard me say, read your Bible, right? You know what happens when someone doesn't want to read their Bible? After a while, it's going to be very hard to stay with us because we're marching towards the Lord. And if they don't want to read their Bible, they don't want to follow after God. They're going to realize, you know what? I'm not like them. I don't think I could be a part of them anymore. And they're going to go somewhere else or stop going. Does that make sense? Time will expose. As long as we are looking at the Lord, I'm looking at the Lord, you're looking at the Lord, and we're trying to please him, we're going to walk forward together. Does that make sense? But the Bible here gives this idea that time will make manifest. If someone doesn't want to follow the Lord, they're not going to be here that long. Does that make sense? We're just having discernment. I'm heartbroken with anybody who decides not to go. Does it make sense? I'm not saying yay and cheering and doing happy dance. I'm broken hearted. But time is going to expose it. Because as we take steps forward, if they're going somewhere else, it's going to be more and more apparent. If our goal is unity, if our goal is following after the Lord, if our goal is trying to be pleasing to him, does it make sense? Now, for those who go together, there's going to be more of a bond. Because how to, to walk together unless they be agreed. But after a while, there are going to be people who branch off. After a while, they're going to say, well, I'm not part of this. And that's fine. That's part of life. But it will be exposed. At the very beginning, everyone's excited. Oh, this is great. We're getting on board. Man, oh, wonderful. Good. Let's keep looking at God. Let's look together. Okay, okay, okay. And take another step. We're still close together. Take another step close together. But they're like, oh man, it takes a lot of work to look at God. Uh, maybe there's something else I can do. I, I stopped reading my Bible for a while. And what happens is they kind of skew off. And they look kind of close still, but step after step after step after step. Time will make it manifest. That's what happened to Shimei. 
He made a profession of faith. I'm for David now. Yay, King David. Yay, rah, 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 rah. Was he King David? No. And after time, it was exposed. I don't care what Solomon says. I know Solomon says I'm going to die, but I got to go take care of this, whatever. It was manifest that he was not lined up. That he, <laughs> that he had some issues. Here was the clear bounds. You understand, I understand. You cross those bounds and he thought he could get away with it. It exposed he was not part of them. This is the first John <coughs> chapter 2. John is actually talking about the spirit of Antichrist. Notice with me verse 18. Little children, it is the last time, as you've heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrist, whereby we know that this is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. Now let's cover this idea of Antichrist. Whenever the, the writer, gospel writer John uses the word Antichrist, he's not referring to the person. In fact, he is referring to a spirit of Antichrist. Now that word anti, a lot of people put in their minds that that word anti means against. In reality, that word also carries with it the idea of replacing Christ. That instead of having the Christ of the Bible, they replace Christ with a different Jesus. With a Christ of their own making. With the Christ of Hollywood. With the Christ of the gospel song. With the Christ of the Catholics. The Christ of the Mormons. The Christ of the... what They replaced it with a different Jesus. And what happens... If we believe that the Christ of the Bible is true. That we're going to follow after him. We're going to follow the Christ of the Bible. But if someone wants a different Jesus, well, it's kind of the same Jesus, but just a little bit different. This Jesus, I don't have to read my Bible. I want to follow that guy. After a while, it will be, does that make sense? The Bible is giving us discernment about what's going on. Now, remember, we don't use discernment so we can criticize people. We use discernment to check ourselves to make sure we're on the right path. Does that make sense? So, as long as we're all looking to the Lord, we're walking forward together, we're going to be together. Whenever we get our eyes off the Lord, it's going to eventually be exposed. And we're not going to be together. Does that make sense? Unity comes with following after the Lord. Here we have someone who made a profession of faith. Are there many people who made professions of faith who are not really saved? Yes. The South is full of them. Well, they call it the Bible Belt. It's a religious belt. The problem with them is that they, everybody there is saved and their grandmother's a preacher. But very few are born again. Does that make sense? We're not looking for religion. We're looking for a relationship with the Lord. And after a while, it will be exposed. Our responsibility is to keep our eyes on the Lord. To keep following after him. And as we follow after him, you follow him and I follow him. We keep our eyes on him. We will go forward together. What we learn in this lesson here is here is a man who made a profession of faith, said the right words. Time exposed that he was not part of them. The New Testament speaks about this too. In fact, Paul goes through a list of here's all these people that used to be part of us, but they're not anymore. Here's a... Demas, who's forsaken me, loving this present world. He decided to take his, uh, put his eyes on the world instead of God. And guess what? He's not part of us anymore. That's what this principle is saying. Paul went through this all the time. <laughs> and by the way, I'm no Paul. If they did it to Paul, they're definitely going to do it to us. 
Now, I'm not trying to be mean. We're having discernment. We don't try to kick people. If people say they're not part of us, we believe that people should be with who they're like, right? Like attracts like. We wish they would stay with us and keep our eyes on the Lord. But as for us, we're just going to keep looking at him. And we're going to go forward together. And if they're not of us, they will be exposed after time. And we're going to be heartbroken. The whole time we're going to keep saying, look at Lord. Look at the Lord. Come on. Come on. Look at the Lord. Look at the Lord. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.